Hey, well, in, in anticipation for us going to two services, I thought, you know what, for, for, uh, I'm gonna, I need to like, take a break from preaching just to like, get all ready for, the, for November. And so I invited my friend Sky to come. Sky, we, Sky and I go uh, way back, but Sky was the high school pastor at Eastside Faith Center for about eight years. And then uh, he transitioned from there to, to uh, help direct Young Life here in Eugene. Um, so he's leading a lot of different leaders and getting into a lot of different schools and serving kids. He's passionate about Jesus. He's passionate about young people knowing how awesome and amazing Jesus is. And, uh, and Sky, it's good to have you as a friend because we hang out every like couple months and you encourage me every time. And, uh, you know, and I've tried to hire you like four times. And he's just unhirable. He's just like always just going and doing stuff. And so, you know, maybe one day, one day. Anyways, would you give it up for Sky? He's going to speech, preach to us this morning. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Love you, man. It has way more to do with my resume than anything else. I'm not that hireable. But, uh, man, it, it's a blessing to be with you. Uh, as Brooks mentioned, uh, he's a dear friend. I think one of the most faithful pastors I know and just a man I really admire. So on that level, it's a, it's a blessing. But then there's just a lot of people in the room that I really love. And so there's an aspect to speaking this morning that feels like family. And uh, that's the way church should be. So thanks for having me and extending that. As I, as I kind of was prepping for today and thinking through what would God have in store, uh, I love Jesus. I love the scripture. And I was kind of just going, what, what would God have for us this morning? And there are characteristics and attributes and revelations within the Bible that if you pulled back, kind of scaled back, we would pick up on that we could easily dismiss if we just read one passage. There's things that kind of the narrative of the whole scripture encapsulates this idea of who God is. And sometimes when we read just one part of it, we don't really pick up on that. So I kind of have a tall order and big task for us this morning. I'm going to throw out a lot of different scripture going to bounce around our Bibles quite a bit in the hopes that I can kind of unpack this bigger idea about who God is and that there would be something meaningful in there for us. So if you have a Bible with you, if you turn with me to the Gospel of John, we'll start in, in chapter 20. And I want to focus today on the idea of water. Uh, talk to you about water. And, and so we'll begin in John chapter 20. As Brooke mentioned, uh, I was a youth pastor uh, for, for like eight years, and then I just transitioned into a new role this last year with Young Life. But built into who I am is this desire that people would know the scripture, engage it in new ways, and that whether it's, you know, kids or adults, wherever you're at in your life, if you're brand new to Jesus or if you've been following Jesus for decades, uh, my desire is what does it mean to know who Jesus is and then to follow in the way of who Jesus is. And so these three verses in John chapter 20 kind of set the tone for what we're going to be looking at with water today. So if you have your Bible, follow along. If not, we'll throw it up on the screen. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And when Jesus said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness, then it is withheld. And so there's this interesting idea that Jesus says from the get-go, kind of our commission as followers of Jesus, of what it looks like to follow Jesus. You believe, you follow, 
But there's a part in there that's a little bit odd when he breathes and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. You believe, you follow Jesus, but then central to the idea of following Jesus is this truth that you are not alone in how you do that. It's a pretty direct charge for us that we're meant to go out, we're meant to interact, but you're also meant to know you're not alone. You and I are sent by Jesus, but we're also meant to receive something from Jesus. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus' whole commission for our lives is not only that we would believe, not only that we would go out, but that we would also be able to receive. With that in mind, I want to talk about water, and and I want to pray for us before we do. Holy Spirit, uh, we welcome you into this place. And we know that that's a weird prayer because you're already in this place. But we just would ask that we would be aware of your presence. We understand that there are ambiguous and mysterious ways that the Spirit works. And uh, when, when the Spirit's at work, powerful things happen. And so, Spirit, be here with us this morning. Reveal yourself in new ways through uh, your words. And may we leave changed and inspired. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so the commission for our lives is that we would believe, that we would follow, and that we wouldn't be alone in our relationship with God. So with that, we now look at the bigger context of Scripture. I'll invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 1, or you can just look on the screen if you don't want to follow along. But Genesis chapter 1, beginning in the beginning, this is how it starts. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was all over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God hovered on the waters. In the original text, the Spirit of God is the Hebrew word ruach. And ruach kind of, we translated as Spirit of God, but it also could be the breath of God. It could be the wind of God, the essence of God. So the idea being that God is waiting at the very beginning of creation over the depths of the sea, kind of almost like a bird hovering over the tops of the waters. And so God is out there waiting. And Jesus, later on, is breathing the same essence of God. There's already this interesting relationship with breath, right? Jesus breathes, the breath of God is at the beginning And so just beyond breath, there's this interesting dynamic with water that's used. That word ruach is often used in metaphors with water throughout the scripture. So the next part of scripture I'll point to is Isaiah 44, the Old Testament. And this is what it says in Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44 verse 1. But now hear, O Jacob, my servant. This is Isaiah writing. Israel whom I've chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you in the womb and will help you. Fear not, my servant, whom I have chosen. For I, this is the the brilliant part, for I will pour out water on the thirsty land, on the streams of the ground. I will pour out my ruach, my spirit, upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. And the thing that we're missing a lot of times when we read this We go, that just sounds like my backyard in Oregon, like streams, green, but we're talking about ancient Israel desert, right? There's a desire, there's a thirst 
for what water is. And so Isaiah's writing and saying that there's something that God's gonna do. The desire that you have, the missing element of life, God's gonna pour out. Verse three, you know, this is the desert. That doesn't happen. So Isaiah is speaking to people where there's a real need, there's a real thirst in our lives. And the prophets are the prophets because they, they, they speak prophecy. They, they look into the future and say, this is what is to come. And so when Isaiah writes that, he's saying, there's gonna be a time when this desert landscape, the, the thirst that we all feel, God is going to provide. A couple books over in the book of Joel, Joel chapter two says, in verse uh, 28, and it shall come to pass that I will pour my, again, ruach, my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters shall prophecy. Your old men shall see, or shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Male and female servants, both God's spirit will be poured out on. And it goes on to say that wonders will happen and things will transpire because God's spirit is poured out. A lot of liquid language when we're talking about God's spirit. God's spirit will pour out. There will be this provision for something that you need in your life. Things will be abundant. And, and throughout the scriptures, if we were to just break down every single verse that had to do with this, there's dozens and dozens and dozens in the Old Testament and New Testament alike, right? God is going to pour out blessing, that the spirit of God is moving among us. There's a, in, in the chapter, or the book of John, chapter one, if we get some vision from Jesus, I think we have that, that one too. John chapter one, verse 32, John is witnessing about who Jesus is. And he says, I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I did not know myself who he was, but he sent me to baptize with water and said to me, the one that you see the Spirit descend on and then remain will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and he goes on to talk about that. But the interesting part about this is he's going, okay, Jesus is the guy that I've seen the Spirit descend on like a dove. And, and if we can geek out just for one second, then I'll unpack this a little bit more. The interesting part about John's language in this, he says, I, I saw Jesus and it's like the spirit descended on him like a dove. And a lot of times doves are weird in, in Bible history, right? It's like this weird form of uh, purity or it's like the David Blaine magic element of like just throw the doves and enter the room or something. You know, I don't really get why we use doves for that. Or you get the cool hipster tattoo of the dove. However we want to use the dove today, there's this interesting way that John uses it for how he's talking about the spirit descending on Jesus. And if we were to really geek out for a second, just like our Bible has different translations, the, the Hebrew Bible that John would have been familiar with had an Aramaic translation. And the unique part about the Aramaic translation was that in Genesis, the beginning where God's hovering like uh, on the water, the Aramaic translation said that the Ruach of God was hovering like a dove above the water. And so when John references this and says, I saw Jesus, 
and the spirit descended on him like a dove. There's this interesting connection that keeps happening to ocean and water and the hovering nature of what the Holy Spirit and how that Holy Spirit interacts with you. It's like a dove. It's like the wind. It's like this interacting element waiting for us. And so as we begin to think, okay, if if I believe in Jesus, if I want to follow Jesus, but now how do I begin to interact with Jesus? How is Jesus, the Spirit of the, the Holy Spirit, like a dove interacting with me? If we are meant to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, what exactly does that look like? For a lot of us, there are moments where you might have dipped your foot into the pool or you kind of go ankle deep, but there's this interesting thing that Jesus is giving us a picture of with how, the, how we interact with the Holy Spirit where he says the same way that people are baptized or just dunked in the water physically, we're meant to be submerged in interacting with the Holy Spirit. It's this interesting thing. There's, there's another amazing account in uh, John chapter 4 where Jesus shows up and he meets this Samaritan woman, somebody that he shouldn't interact with, right? And he meets this woman at the well and he's beginning to talk to her about water. And she's like, yeah, I know about water. And and he ultimately is saying, the water that you seek won't won't quench your thirst, but you actually need the living water. And and once you get this living water, you're not gonna be thirsty anymore. And the lady lady kind of responds slowly. She's like, well, where do I get this water, you know? And Jesus is saying, I am that water for you. If, you. if you come to believe in me, if you're trying to follow me, then you interact with me, you receive the spirit, and something phenomenal begins to happen. There's this idea from the beginning that then is fulfilled in Jesus that the spirit is meant to be interacted that the spirit is meant to be submerged in, that you're not just called to believe, you're not just called to follow, you're called to be interacting and dunked into the living spirit of God at work in the world. But do you notice that people only get to the spot when they're being authentic, when they're being vulnerable, and when they're being honest about their need. One more passage for us this, this morning, and then, and then we'll get into some other things. But this is this, uh, an account of the Feast of the Tabernacles in John chapter 7. And just to give you a little bit of history with this, that there's this big party that happens every year, and, and it's the Feast of the Tabernacles. Tens of thousands of people gather in Israel. They come together in, in the main city. And one of the key things that would happen is the high priest would come to the middle of the city, he would dip a gold bucket into the well, and he would walk through the center of the city up to the altar that's at the top of the city. And tens of thousands of people packed in there, and they'd be singing these songs. It was a loud, noisy occasion. And what the high priest would do is he'd go up to the altar, and he would pour out this water on the altar. And it was this symbolic thing, like we're talking about the Spirit of God's hovering on the water, 
Isaiah's prophesying that God's going to pour out this water. And so the priest would physically pour out the water on the altar saying, this is what God is going to do. It's going to happen. And Jesus has a really weird interaction with this in John chapter 7. In John chapter 7, uh, I think we'll put it up on the screen. Yes, the last day of the feast, the great day they called it. Jesus, in the midst of all of this, all the people, the high priest walking, Jesus stands up. He doesn't suggest. He doesn't say, hey guys, I have an idea. Jesus stands up and it says he cried out. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The symbolic act that everybody is doing, the ritual that everybody would gather for, Jesus in the midst of it goes, hey everybody, if you really thirst, if you really want that living water, it's right here and available to you. And the amazing part of the story for me is that tens of thousands of people don't go, okay, yeah, I'm in. There isn't this big moment where all of us now just go, yeah, we got what we need. Thanks, Jesus. But even in that moment, people go, hmm, I'm okay with the ritual. I want to keep following this thing. Let's sing the songs because that's more fun. It's easier to complain about what we need than to actually respond to the living Jesus right around us. Jesus says, if you're in need, I'm here. Is it ever perplexing to anybody else that when the Bible has these stories, people don't just flood to Jesus? Have you ever had the thought of, man, if I could just experience Jesus, that would change everything. If I could just see somebody be healed or transformed, that would be the thing. If God would just talk to me, if God would just show up in this certain way, then that would change everything for me and I'd say amen. And Jesus is there saying, I'm here. If you're really thirsty, come to me. A couple years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Iceland. And I went to Iceland with a couple friends. And uh, one of our last days there, we were walking around downtown. And we got to a surf shop in Iceland. And something about me, I love surfing. I would love to be identified as a surfer. I love everything about surf culture. And so one of my friends in seeing the surf, the surf shop in Iceland was like, oh, Sky, there's a surf, you should go surfing. And I was like, yeah, yeah I should go, totally, I should go surfing. Let's go inside. So we go inside. And we're not talking like Southern California, like suntan surfing. We're talking like ice in your beard, people getting in wetsuits, you know. This is not my ideal surfing environment. So I go into the shop and we're talking with this guy about surfing and I'm very hesitant, right? The, the waters are murky. The, the sky is gray. It's cold already. I'm like, I don't really want to go paddle out and try to survive, but I don't want to abandon the identity of being a surfer. So I'm kind of like, oh yeah, like, okay, what would it cost? How would we do it? Like, okay, yeah, maybe, let me, you know. And, and honestly, if I was to be vulnerable with you, my gut was, oh, I'll just take a picture here. I'll post it on my Instagram. And people will be like, oh, yeah, this guy's a surfer. Like, you know, but I don't actually have to, like, go out into the water. And my friend's picking up on this, and he's going, 
you know, you, dude, if, you got to go. We're in Iceland once. You're, you're going to hate it if you said you never surfed in Iceland. You, you just got to go for it. And the surfers just look at me point blank and they're like, if you want to surf, we'll take you out in the water. There's this interesting feeling. And later in John, Jesus calls Peter and he says, Peter, if you really want to follow me, get out in the waves. Come out to me. Not just believing, not just identifying as something. And the insecure and the uncomfortable and the, I just like being warm and that's too cold. I'd rather just post about it and have people believe that about me. Jesus says, no, no, no. If If you actually are thirsty, if you actually want to do this thing, come out to me. Not just toe in, not just ankle deep. Get that ice in your beard. If you really want to surf, get in the water. You see, in Israel and Eugene alike, we live in a world where thirst is everywhere. Jesus says, come to me if you're really thirsty, and I'll be the one to give you life. In fact, it'll spill over out of your life. But are you actually thirsty? Are you willing to admit your need? Are you willing to depend on a risen Jesus? Are you willing to submerge yourself in the life of the Spirit? Would you rather just gather and watch the high priest talk about it? Sing the songs and feel like we're doing the right things all the while Jesus is there crying out, but if you really thirst for it, I'm right here. Sometimes I'd rather just Instagram it. Let people know that that's a part of who I am. Yeah, I follow Jesus. It's what I do. The wild nature of God. The Ruach, the spirit of the living God. The mysterious is available. But our mild lives often turn us away from ever going there. It looks, it looks too much. I don't really want to dive in that deep. When the prophets speak, they're speaking to a people that know what thirst is. There's a desire to have water. In the same way, do we have a desire to interact with the spirit of the living God. Maybe we don't experience God because of our mild need. Maybe we're not honest about where we're coming from. The lie that we don't need to actually experience God, we just believe in God. We're just sent out by God. But I don't actually need to interact with God. In fact, I kind of provide for myself. When I'm thirsty, I go to the faucet and I turn it on and I get water. When I need something, I depend on Sky's ability to get it done rather than depending on the Spirit to help me in it. If you were to look for a moment at your daily routine, in general, we are very busy people. You have meetings to attend, kids to taxi, expectations to live up to. Your calendars are filled with appointments, Your days and weeks are filled with engagements and your years are filled with plans and projects. 
And seldom is there time in your life, in, in my life, when we don't know what to do. But for me, if I pause and I examine the whole thing, this whole Jesus thing, this whole church side of my life, sometimes my church experience has been amidst all the things that I have to do, it's nice just to show up, follow the ritual of the week, and not have to submerge myself in anything deeper than that. Hear about the water being poured, about, poured out someday. Be like, man, all the things in my life are tough because the water hasn't been poured out yet. And yet there's a Jesus that's crying out among us. I don't take time to rest. I just keep doing, keep adding things to my life. And I don't even take time to wonder if the things that I think the things that I say or the things that I do are worth thinking, saying, or doing. I just do them. Our time with Jesus can become a scripted appointment, just like everything else. We go along with the many musts and the ought-tos that we have in our lives. And Jesus is crying out, if you're really thirsty, then come to me. There's got to be more. And there's more available to all of us. I read these accounts of signs and wonders in the scripture and, and healings that happen. And I think, man, I want that in my life. There's got to be more to following Jesus than just these appointments. Billy Graham has an amazing quote that I'd like to share with you this morning where he kind of addresses this idea. And we'll throw it up on the screen. Billy Graham said, everywhere that I go, I find that God's people lack something. They are hungry for something. Maybe we would say they're thirsty for something. Their Christian experience is not all that they expected, and they often have reoccurring defeat in their lives. Christians today are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. The most desperate need of the nation today is that men and women who profess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, there's something about, I mean, Billy the legend Graham, right, who, who's seen a lot of different experiences, who's, who's embraced a lot of different Christian cultures, says, you know what the real problem is? The Ruach, the Spirit. If we would just engage that thing, our God is a God that provides. But are we engaging the provider? The beauty is, of church is that we come from all over the map. We all have different experiences, vantage points. And so for some of us, you hear Holy Spirit and you go, oh my gosh, yikes. That triggers all sorts of bad memories of my past or growing up or weird imagery. And you're like, just give me a sermon and something to do that'll keep me going for the rest of this week. Others of us are like, finally, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Let's get charismatic. I'm going to break out my tambourine, right? Like, let's go. But then there's another whole portion of us that I would say we, we don't even really know what to do with the idea of the Spirit. It's part of the Trinity. Cool. It's in the Bible. Cool. But other than that, I don't really have this engagement or experience with it. Wherever you're at, across the board, what I would say to us this morning is the common denominator is that we are people that want more. I'm sick of just living in these 
cycles of doing the same thing over and over again, living in these motions. I desperately want, and what I've been praying for West Side this week, what I've been praying for you this morning, what I desperately want is for more, to know the living water. I want that in our community. I want that in my marriage. I want our young people to engage, to listen to, to see a God at work around us. Perhaps you've dipped in a bit. Maybe you're ankle deep. But God is saying, I want to submerge you. I want you to be baptized in this engagement with me. You're part of something, but you're meant to be submerged in it. And Jesus is calling out saying, if you really want to be a part of this, I'm available. One last thing. In John chapter 16, uh, John chapter 16, basically, we don't even need to put it up on the screen. The way that the Holy Spirit is described is very personal. I think sometimes the, the sin in me or, or just the way that I write things off is to say the Spirit is a- abstract. It's among us. It's, it's, the, it's like the force in Star Wars, right? But the, the unique part about the Spirit is it's not this thing to be yielded. It's not this like skill of just use the force, use the Spirit to work. The Spirit is actually this engagement, this relationship. We sing songs about the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. In the same way that you believe and that you're following Jesus, the Spirit is meant to be interacted with. The language throughout Scripture gives it like a, an actual person, a life to it. I'm, I'm, next week, I uh, celebrate one year of marriage with my wife. Yeah, tell me about it. And, and now that I've had a year and I'm an expert about marriage, I, I can come to you and say that the pinnacle part of my marriage wasn't my wedding day, wasn't the honeymoon. In fact, when we come back into real life, there are things that I'm finding every day, new things about my wife, new ways that she makes me laugh, new ways that we find things that don't really quite work, continuing to try to be vulnerable and open and share our lives in a really unique way. But if I was just to say, got her, she's in, she's stuck, you know, we're married and we're just doing the dang thing now, we don't have to do anything else, there would be a real problem. I probably wouldn't be saying I'm getting ready to celebrate a marriage or a year of marriage, right? In relationship, the beauty of falling deeper in love is there's an engagement to it. Continuing to find ways to surprise, to bless, to deal with the beautiful frustrations of what we go through. And friends, that's what God wants in our relationship. It's easy to get stuck in ritual. It's easy to be content in believing. But the call of following Jesus isn't just belief, isn't just following. It's to interact. It's to engage. The invitation for you and I is to come and drink and engage the Holy Spirit.